0: You're listening to the Multiverse FanCast, proud member of the Misfit Faction Media Network. All right, then. On with the show.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Multiverse Fancast. This is your host, Rob, talking to you live from the studio today. We've got some special things coming your way with some good surprises, and it's Oscar time, so we are going to be tackling some Oscar-ish things. Don't forget, though, before I get into that, you can take us on the go with Podbeam, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any other listening stations. And you can also check out our content on the website, the Misfit Where you can get all of our shows, surprises. You can look at some merch. You can read some articles. And with me today to tell you more about that is my good friend, Paul. How are you today, Paul? I'm
0: good, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm jazzed. Yeah, because this is your wheelhouse today. This is. <laughs> you, you're the one who is excited for this oh one. Oh
1: my gosh, so much so. I am I just pressed the record button tonight. He already told me. He's like, you're in charge of this one. I, I got this one. This one's all mine.
0: I, I am here to add I, seven, maybe
1: more jokes. I am. I've got the jazz drum score in my head as we go.
0: I am I'm, I'm here. <laughs> okay, I I am present for this episode. So
1: tell us a little bit about our affiliates program.
0: So if you guys don't forget, if you are looking to start your own podcast, looking to start your own show, have been listening to us for like four or five years now. We've been on. We've been doing this for a while. Uh, and you guys have gotten that itch, that that desire. You want to try your hand at podcasting because. You know, maybe you have a great idea. Maybe you have something you're working on. Maybe you have a something that would benefit from a podcast. If you guys go to podbeam.com slash misfitfaction, you get a free month of podcasting as a gift from us to you. And if you guys are starting your own show or have your own show and you're looking to network or build your brands, reach out to us. Go to uh, themisfitfaction.com or email us at mis- misfitfaction at gmail.com messages on Facebook, whatever it is, and we would love to talk to you and help you not only get started, but also help you grow your show, and maybe there's a spot for you in our little merry band of misfits now if you are a business owner or you have an online service or product that you like to use podcasts are everywhere there are literally millions of shows at this time and what better way than to show off your product than by advertising if you guys use our affiliate link and that is sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfit faction you will get a hundred dollars worth of free advertising
1: again as a thank you from us to you because we love you guys Oh, well, thank you very much for that. And we will start off now with a little bit of news.
0: Does it freak you out when you have to do the news when you're hosting?
1: A little bit. I'm unsure of myself right now.
0: If it makes you feel any better when you were doing the intro, I literally sat here going, no, that's my thing.
1: We're we're interchangeable at this point, I think, that we, which sounds, is, which that is sounds a good
0: thing. like detachable arm kid.
1: <laughs> so our first bit of news is a bit of sad news that we bring to you. This week, we lost Oscar winner and great actor William Hurt. Mm. And we bring it up on this show because William Hurt was, you know, he's known for many, many things. But as far as this show is concerned, he was General Thaddeus Ross. Yeah. what's his full name Thaddeus,
0: Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross
1: Thunderbolt Ross he was all the way back in the Hulk. he's been in a few different of the Marvel movies and he will be very missed he was only 71 years old he's better known to some of us older folks as the lead from Broadcast News. Oh my gosh, Children of a Lesser God with, with Marley Matlin. I remember him from back then in the 80s. He's he's just, he, oh my gosh, holy cow, I completely forgot Kiss of the Spider Woman. And also, one of my favorites with Kathleen Turner, Body Heat, which is oh, yeah. such a good film noir. I love Body Heat. And in The Doctor, he was in Until the End of the World. He's just such an amazing actor and it's just so unbelievably sad he died of natural causes that's all they're saying surrounded by friends and family Yeah. So, so we do wish the Hurt family well during this difficult time and we will definitely miss you tremendously so Mr. Hurt
0: and unfortunately going off of that too this one's for producer Melanie because I know this, oh. one, this one hurt her WWE two-time Hall of Famer Scott Hall passed away oh. also he was on life support I believe it was like three heart attacks or something like that and they took him off life support earlier I think last Last night, and Sister Melanie, for those of you guys who don't know, is a huge wrestling fan. She loves wrestling. She's, she's, it's one of her weird passions that I never knew about until we started like really dating and then got engaged. Mm. But she was really heartbroken about it. So I wanted to just do a quick shout out and, you know, rest in peace to to two amazing entertainers, really. Yes.
1: And, and with Scott Hall, he was, I know this is going to sound young, 63, Mm. but in the WWE, that's pretty. Good to for because there's so many of them that die at such a young age in the WWE because of the extreme the stress. lifestyle, yeah, the, yeah. that they put themselves under with the, their bodies and everything. So,
0: also, it was no secret that in the 80s and early 90s, like, oh my god, it was cocaine and partying, and like, and you hear stories from people that. I experienced it and they're, they're basically like wrestling was like one big oh my party.
1: Gosh. I, I remember watching like Jimmy's Jimmy, Jimmy Superfly Snooka taking razor blades to the forehead oh, just the, to make himself bleed. The for, things that yeah. they would
0: do. Cause say what you will about wrestling as, as entertainment. it It's a very physically demanding oh, sport. Yeah. It, it is a sport. I'll argue it. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you're, you still have to be at a certain physical level nowadays it's a lot different with you know guys like the rock or, or john cena mm-hmm. who you know take it to a certain professional level but you know i grew up on on hulk hogan and watching him try and act so like that yeah. you know, that, oh, I remember. was
1: no holds barred I, rem- I worked in a movie theater the nanny. when no holds barred came out yeah. um, back in we we, uh, we,
0: we remember the nanny that, that was that was oh, like his his nanny fir- yeah his first big one but then you know <laughs> It's just, then it was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin with the the Suck It and all that, like that generational time where we got in trouble for doing that at school, (laughs) but you know, it's crazy, like
1: I, didn't, I don't think I knew that about producer Mel that she oh, was she, a big, WWE fan
0: big WWE Aww. big wrestling fan in general I'll have
1: to chat her up with some of that and, and a huge crush on The Rock but you Aww. know but the, don't, well, we, who, who don't we
0: all who at this point
1: more comic book news this coming in from Ronnie Ronnie who could not join us this evening chose not to join chose, us is Get that what he's yet. gonna he's getting
0: married with? this week and he's like busy
1: yeah he's got like meetings and stuff and he's he's got to approve like small hot dogs on sticks and stuff like that So I really hope those are there I love those but anyway <laughs> No, Ronnie. Uh,
0: he wanted to be here tonight, but you know, obviously, with his wedding being, we're we're even recording earlier than yeah. we normally do, just so we were able to get in an episode for. You know, before and then the wedding, before the wedding, because I don't think I'm going to be doing much on Sunday. No, I, I agree with. You might even edit this beforehand. And this is a
1: tough weekend because not only do we have the wedding, but St. Patty's is two days beforehand. Oh, well, I'm
0: not doing anything. I'm going to work. Yeah. But
1: anyway, no. but this is from Ronnie. Ronnie texted us this information. There is working on HBO Max is working on a Harley Quinn spinoff, starring of all people, one of the people here. You, you know what I'm going to say? One of the people that I said needed their own spinoff series a couple weeks ago. Kite Man. Yes, Kite Man is taking flight over at HBO Max. It will be a spin-off of the Harley Quinn show and it will probably be adult-centered. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. How exciting for
0: Kite Man getting I, his due. I'm all, I'm about it, you know. Like Harley Quinn, I haven't seen all of it. I've seen bits and pieces here and there. it, mm-hmm. it is very funny and it is very R-rated mm-hmm. and I think DC's actually finding their groove with they their are. with their unrated material mm-hmm. and HBO Max has proven to be as much as we love Disney Plus and we love the Disney Plus shows, I think the quality of of Marvel hasn't gone up or down with their Disney Plus shows. It's been pretty consistent. Yeah. But like HBO Max has started blowing things away. Yeah. First, it was you know Titans on DC Universe, which was which was good, but got better. The last season was fantastic yeah. with Red Hood, and we did an episode I think on Disney Titans, it. and we really enjoyed the last season, Young Justice, and then you know you have your Harley Quinn, you have your Peacemaker, which we, you know, if you listen to our last episode, we loved. So it's nice that HBO Max is not only finding their groove, but also DC's finding their groove with material that wouldn't work in movies.
1: Correct. And I, I'm, The kids are saying to me nowadays that HBO Max is the go-to streaming service for them over Netflix.
0: I will argue that HBO Max is my preferred yeah. as well.
1: i got to say, because I, I teach a film class, and a lot of the films that I show in that class, like today we just finished Citizen Kane, and it's on HBO Max. Because yep. some of the kids were like, I was absent this day, what can I do? And I'm like, oh, you go there, watch it. And I have to say their original programming is better than Netflix, you know, Oh Great, Another Ryan Reynolds Action Comedy. I
0: also, Well, I do want to see The Adam Project. I haven't watched it yet. I heard, uh, it's, I heard it's very good. Yeah. but my issue is i i don't like to binge no, i actually nor do I. I prefer the the episodic release yeah. and it's smart on their part it keeps people engaged also that makes it so that they have their shows longer yes. netflix's problem is they need new listen or new viewers yeah so they'll drop an entire season of a show and then it's three years later that we have to wait like the, yeah. you know we did the witcher and that was a big and that, oh, that yeah. covid was was a was a factor of that but in all honesty like Netflix loses people because they drop entire seasons then it's a year later I'll re-up my membership I know but yeah with
1: something like HBO max they'll drop it like as you said one week at a time and if they've got 10 episodes that's two and a half months yeah so that they have my business for
0: I mean obviously I could just you know do it
1: at the end of it but a lot of people like they don't want to be spoiled no so and speaking of DC we have good news the batman Did really well in its second week in a box office. Yeah, it did. It's officially brought in sixty-six point five million, and it only had a fifty-one percent drop. That's second weekend. That is fant and huge as in fantastic. Yeah, in fact, I read that it had a better second weekend drop than The Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. So that. I think that says that speaks to its success, and and that I think we can check it off as a guaranteed success now. And having said that, they are we. I think we mentioned last week about pushing back a bunch of the movies. They're
0: doing reshoots oh, no. on, oh, I believe, Flash. Yeah, and Aquaman maybe. Ru- and... Biggest, most persistent rumor is that they're adding Henry Cavill's Superman into one of those I movies. I hope so. I hope so too. And that's one of the reasons we obviously didn't see him in Peacemaker. But there's also rumors of of having some sort of inclusion of patents and if they do it right whatever that is what it is Mm -hmm. but um, it's it's very interesting what you know obviously money talks and dc's found success again with batman and if they want to put it into their other products that is Mm -hmm. what it is Um, did you see they released concept art of
1: batman and deathstroke I did. I did see that. Actually, it's, that's funny. I just saw that like a, maybe five minutes ago. Really cool. Yeah.
0: It, it is a very cool looking batsuit. Say what you will. There's never really been, with the exception of Batman and Robin, a bad batsuit.
1: No, no. They've always had their artwork. Has always been just fantastic.
0: And you know, say say your thoughts on on Ben Affleck. He still has my favorite batsuit. I liked I liked Pattinson's. I really did. Yeah. I think if it was a a lighter gray color, I would have really liked it. Very Arkham City ish, yeah. But Ben Affleck is still my my favorite because it's the most comic accurate for mm-hmm. me. But I, I saw this concept art and I was like, All oh,
1: right, yeah, hey. that's not bad. I'm looking at it right now, and it, it, it I would just say, it looks very video game ish,
0: very video. And it, but it also seems like a natural progression, it does because you see him at the end of Justice League, both yep. the Snyder Cut and, and Joss Whedon, where he has that more tactical armor, yeah. which is really cool looking. So it sucks. Yeah, I mean, no, there no. there's a lot of rumors, especially now that Discovery Plus and HBO Max are combining into one. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so there are a lot of rumors, especially and with Henry Cavill supposedly coming back for Superman because he yeah. he's the first one that's like, I'll do it. Just call me. I got the cape. Like he said that. <laughs>
1: Happening on the other side of the pond, we have some Marvel news. So a lucky bunch of people got to see the first four episodes of Moon Knight. That's more than half the show. I know, considering it's a six-episode show. And so there is a—they were able to tweet about it. That embargo has been lifted. And so far, what we're reading with the tweets is a lot of the same thing from every people. And a lot of them are saying it's completely different from anything Marvel has done before. I saw that phrase come up many, many times. Yeah, it's unlike anything we've seen before. Four, touch of Indiana Jones to it. Everyone's going to be talking about. It, completely bonkers. A haunting event. Uh, delivering. Here's another one. Lots of Indiana Jones style archaeology action. It's a lot of fun. A good blend of horror, action, and humor. That was a comment that I mm-hmm. was really excited about. So I, I'm, I'm very. I like. They've been releasing, you know, little clips and little. They haven't released any clips yet. They've only been releasing like trailers and mini commercials and everything. And everything I've been seeing, I'm impressed by so far. Yeah. So I, I'm very excited for Moon Knight. I'm,
0: I'm holding. Yes,
1: that? especially considering
0: I found it very interesting that basically in the, in one week's time almost we have the release of Spider-Man No Way Home on digital. Mm-hmm. Marvel Netflix shows and Agents of SHIELD are going back to are going to Disney Plus. Is that happening That's this week. It is this That's week. It's
1: like tomorrow, I oh, think. Oh my gosh. Okay, I yeah, didn't realize it was that quick of a yeah. turnaround.
0: And then then we have Moon Knight coming out and I'm like, yeah. "What really convenient timing." <laughs> like they they had the Daredevil, they had Matt Murdock in Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home. After they got the rights back, yeah,
1: they so like they're savvy, (laughs) and and it makes me like sit here going,
0: Hmm, I wonder, (laughs) I wonder if,
1: yeah, anyway. And and you know, we are only a few what eight weeks away from Doctor Strange, yeah, Um, it's getting close. And today, they dropped now, I not everyone in this studio is excited about this as I am, they dropped the Ms. Marvel trailer of Kamala Khan from Jersey City who is playing the iteration of Ms. Marvel where she has different abilities than, than other Ms. Marvels. And, uh, I, okay, Ronnie texted me and his very specific words were, "I what did he say? I'm not, nope, not that comment. Nope, not that one either. Here it is. <laughs> I'm not, he said, Ms., Ms., not digging it at all. I'm not a fan of angsty teen dramas and the CGI was jarring. It's definitely giving me vibes and it's going to be the worst, Dis- that is going to be the worst Disney Plus live action show. Yeah. Now, I read those comments and I thought, okay, just prepare myself for what I'm going to watch. And then I put it on and I was totally jazzed by it. I loved the commercial. I thought it was a lot of fun. It had sort of a... For me, a Spider-Man Homecoming vibe to mm. it with the sort of goofy high school antics and everything. I loved it. It had a, a great soundtrack to it. He looks fantastic. She actually <laughs> reminds me exactly of one of my students. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to see what happens with this girl in my class becomes a superhero. This is what <laughs> it would look like. And she's, she just looks like she's a lot of fun. And they didn't show her in full costume. They showed her from the from behind in yeah, the, the full costume. And that,
0: they also released that as like a... Like a, uh, like a poster, yeah. yeah. So
1: I I cannot wait for it, and they declared June eighth. So I I had said June 9th, So I was off by a day. Yeah. What are your
0: thoughts? I'm right in the middle. Like okay. I I I'm familiar enough with Miss Marvel and Kamala Khan. I I find it interesting that they're not doing her powers comic accurately. I
1: yeah. I don't know or her, totally. or her
0: origin. Yeah. In the, in the comic, she's an Inhuman, okay. and she has the power time. to what she calls biggin, where she yes. can grow parts of her body or shrink like yes. she you know she can grow really big mr. she can Fantastic. shrink very mr fantastic-esque so in this it looks more like she's some sort of energy manipulation from yeah. some sort of artifacts it looks like that she puts on
1: yeah like on her wrist or something yeah like
0: some that. sort of bracelet now i don't mind liberties right here right. a perfect example in young justice they they managed to do the character Apache Chief and for those of you guys who don't oh. who, for those of you guys who don't know Apache Chief he was a, a very stereotypical very stereotypical character of Native American yeah. culture and his, his catchphrase was Apache Chief and he... Cha. and he would just oh, grow oh, that's
1: right oh that's so awful
0: so <laughs> what they did first and foremost they they, they treated with a lot more respect now yeah. um, you know he is part of an Apache tribe and he lives on a reservation and he's, he's friends with Jaime Reyes and he they say you come from a long line of Apache Chiefs like that he doesn't ever refer to himself as such but in this iteration he instead creates an energy kind of uh being around him mm-hmm. so he's in the middle of it and the being forms around him and it's a much better version instead of just getting bigger it's different it's interesting i would have no problem if like she created energy constructs around her body yeah. that because unfortunately stretching abilities can be very goofy looking yes and they're very hard to do because yeah. in, in our mind though uncanny valley is just yes, too tough say what you will about fan they did actually a, a decent job with some of the shots of of reed richards doing the oh, yeah. stretching yeah. ability yeah. especially when it was just his arm and he'd like pull h- himself h- up horrifying and, actually yeah, <laughs> the, the body armor yeah. was there but they're, they're taking a lot of liberties and also i think they want to stay away from inhumans
1: yeah, yeah. I'm not 100% sure where they're going. I, it's been a long time since I've read the comics, because I read them when they first came out, which I want to say is like maybe eight or eight years ago or something like that. And I do like that they are sticking to the Jersey Muslim roots. Which, which is fine. Like great.
0: Apparently also they—I hate, I hate, I hate that we have
1: to talk about this. <laughs> is this the PC police knocking at the door? The
0: PC pol- no no, 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 no. I guess there were some negative comments about the femini- femininity—
1: that, femin- femin- femininity. Don't worry. We'll edit that. The, out. Uh,
0: the, no, we're not, we don't edit. Of the guidance counselor in that. So I guess people were making comments about his, his orientation, which, whatever it is, it's not like they say it in the. in. So Marvel actually put out a statement going, we support all, you know, like very. So the, the, I, people say. The trailer suck. just
1: came out a few hours ago. They're already bad mouthed. They're already trolls, yeah. Oh, God.
0: But we don't care about that. But I no. wanted to bring it up just because Marvel did put out a statement and I was like, what are they talking that's about? So like, weird. that's that's how blasé I was about can, it because, like, I don't care.
1: I gotta say, and this is a total honest reaction, when I saw the guidance counselor, I'm like, yeah, that's totally what a guidance counselor looks oh, yeah. and acts like.
0: Who like-, like uh, God, people, people need less then don't watch it if you don't want if you want to make fun of it don't watch it it was it
1: was his attitude of that completely like i'm trying to identify with you as a teenager kind of attitude but i'm an adult that kind of got cringy when i watched it but it's completely accurate i am curious to see if the
0: aesthetic that they put in there with like the thought bubbles and stuff like that is that just for the trailer is that going to be like a thing kamala because that would be very jarring if that's the case. Even Deadpool, when he breaks the fourth wall, it feels more natural. Right. So I'm curious. And also it's it's rough getting all these young, 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 young Avengers. Like, yeah, how are they going to stand next to Sam Wilson? Even Spider Man, like there were times like He's grown up in front of our eyes, right. so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and I'll watch it and I'll keep an open mind. Yeah. But for the most, part, I'm not excited, but I'm also not like this is gonna suck.
1: I I told Ronnie, I said I hope they stay away from a lot of the origin story traps that usually get put out there with Marvel. Yeah. So and they tend to do that, but yeah, I'm 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 more excited about it today than I was yesterday. So word, yes, and that wraps up our news. Oh you man, want to take us to commercial. Yeah, well, let's take a
0: quick break, and when we come back, we're talking about. <gasps> Birdman. Rob's so excited. Today's episode is brought to you by RAISE Energy Drinks from Rep Sports. Whether you're trying to crush your afternoon workout or just need a little extra pick-me-up, RAISE Energy is just the boost that you're going to need. So if you go to RepSports.com and any product that you order, enter the code MISFIT89 at checkout to receive 15% off. Anything that you guys buy from that store helps our network grow, and we fully, fully appreciate everything you guys do. That's MISFIT89 at checkout, RepSports.com.
1: But first a quick break. And welcome back to the Multiverse Fancast. So today we are looking at Oscar time because in just a couple weeks, in actually in less than 2 weeks if you're hearing this on a Monday, we, the Oscars are coming around and leading up to that, we have we thought what we would do is look at some Oscar-worthy stuff from the superhero realm. And next week, we are going to be looking at sort of our own little nominations for superheroes and and who should have won. Because as you all know, superhero movies do not get a lot of the Oscar love. Because they are just not... Much like comedies, I have to say, too. Comedies don't get a lot of love either. And horror. It's mostly like if you die on screen, you get an Oscar. That's pretty much uh, the attitude of the Academy. So this week... Or if you survive a bear attack... (laughs) (laughs) which is the same director, actually. (laughs) Um, You're welcome. So this week, what I thought was I would throw something out there to everybody that is a little bit different, off the beaten path for us. This movie is called Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. This movie came out in 2014, and it is not traditionally a superhero movie, but it is a movie about a guy who played a superhero. So It's about Adam West. Paul... Tell us about, what is Birdman about? Birdman
0: is a very interesting movie because it is open to four trillion different interpretations, especially the ending. But basically, just a quick summary, is that it's about a struggling actor played by Michael Keaton named Riggin Thompson. And he's basically, he played the character called Birdman for three movies. He's, he's like, famous for it. And he's trying to break out of that, that trope, right? This is still the time where superhero this was 2016 14 2014 yeah. wow so eight years ago where superhero movies were big and they, and they were well known but they weren't yeah, we're, the,
1: the behemoths they are right, right now we like we're like two years after the avengers and that's that's about it and that was itself a big thing but it wasn't where we are now so yeah we were exactly. on the road so he's trying to put on a play in time in broadway and to get what? out What's the name of the play? What, what we talk about when we talk about love, I think is what the name What we of- talk
0: yes, it's bas- it's a Broadway adaptation of Raymond Carver's short story, What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's producing it, he's writing, directing, starring in a Broadway adaptation of it. But the entire time, he is hallucinating. His birdman character the birdman character is con- trying to convince him that he he is birdman like he it is a part of him and that he should actually be doing another birdman movie
1: and the birdman it should be noted that the birdman talks in the voice of christian bale's gruff
0: like this like and he, he- he's in full costume too like yeah. it is a fully costumed character so seeing the trailers for this movie i was under the impression that it that this this guy actually did have super- the way that the trailers yes. presented themselves made it seem like he was an actual superpowered being, and like the, the trailers didn't tell anything about he was an actor trying to no. put on a play. It was more like he was a, a superhero that's retired. Yeah. And also, the, this was the time where that trope was getting was big. The retired the reti- superhero. Oh, really?
1: What else was it? You got your movies one?
0: like Watchmen around oh, the same time. Okay. You know, The Dark Knight Returns was getting yep. made into its, its adaptation. So, like, the retired superhero was, was around. Okay. I would say it's before The Dark Knight Rises and what else? Logan's another big oh, one. That, okay, all right. Yeah, that's true. I guess this was sort of had that vibe to it, it. It had a similar vibe. So, that's what the trailer presented itself as.
1: And what we got was something... We don't even know. I don't even know.
0: Yeah. This is the kind of movie that either all took place or was all in his head. none of it did. And that's what the director wanted. The director wanted to create a film that was open to a thousand different interpretations. So let's very quickly get this out of the way. Spoiler warning. We're going to spoil the movie. Because this is a movie that you, the ending alone... Yeah. And also, they make fun of the idea of Oscars and Academy Awards in this movie. Yes, they do. And we're going to talk about that because Rob made a comment about how you basically have to die in a movie Mm -hmm. to get your Academy Award, and they poke fun at that concept in this. So
1: right now, I'm going to tell you—and this is strange—if you have not seen Birdman, stop listening right now to us. Go watch Birdman. Come back to us at another time because you'll thank us for it because even if you don't love it, you will be so— curious about what you just watched. Oh, yeah. I, I Now, I, one of the reasons why I put this on our schedule is because I am an enormous fan of this movie. Mm. So I want this sort of like t- discussion for me is going to be, this is like a, a multiverse fan cast recommends kind of section for me where I just, you really need to see this. And I, you know, Paul is is mostly on board with me on this. He's, he's, he's sort of in the middle. Ronnie, I don't think he even saw it. He um, did. I think he did. Oh, he did finally see
0: it? I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know it was it's free on Tubi. Yes. Ironically, when I was at the grocery store or Rite Aid the other day, I saw it there and I was like, huh, it's funny. <laughs> it's chasing Wait, me
1: around. Go see it because I cannot recommend this enough. All right, so now we're in spoiler section completely. Mm-hmm. So it turns out he does not actually have superpowers kind. Of, he, Until what?
0: the last <laughs>
1: And even then, we're not 100% sure. So the director, let me tell you who the director is. The director is Alejandro González. In, sure. he is one of my favorite directors I actually had the pleasure of meeting him years ago when he did his movie Babel with oh, Brad God, Pitt I, that. Yeah, yeah, I think it yeah, was yeah. like 2005 he, I am lucky, we are lucky enough to live near the Jacob Burns Film Center in Pleasantville New York and oh, yeah. over there Janet Maslin who used to be head critic of the New York Times is there and I've, I've seen many 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 of her talks and she's a great interviewer and she interviewed him there and, and he was there, Deborah Winger was there too She because Deborah Winger is on the board at the Jacob Burns Film Center. And uh, so they get a lot of big names over there and he was there promoting Babel and he was he was a fun interview, he's an interesting guy, he's very unique and he is part of this trio of Mexican filmmakers. It's him Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Curran, if you del Toro, and again, two of my other favorite ones. Del Toro did things like Pan's Labyrinth, he just did Nightmare Alley, which is up for a best act, mm-hmm. best picture. He also, and then Alfonso Curran, who did one of the Harry Potters, he did the third one, and he also did Gravity, which one? Oh, yeah. So these are like nice. three really highly talented guys. And the, and I have to bring this up because the aspects that are employed in this film is called magical realism. I don't know how familiar you are with magical realism. Enough that uh, I can understand it. Okay, yeah, it's it's something that is. I will say it's Im, it's imbued in a lot of Mexican literature. It's an i it's a style of literary fiction where it's where there's it's the real world. It's very, everything is very much grounded in the real world, but magic exists in that world too. And it's just like a common part of everyone's existence that you accept. It's not questioned, you don't try and figure out where it comes from. But magical realism is usually put into films and literature to show the depths of someone's struggle and depression and, and, just how how much of a hard time they're going through, and in this realm here, apparently only Michael Keaton's character has powers. Or
0: does he? Or does he? He's actually <laughs> could just be crazy as hell. Is he? I I think that he is. You I think I, he goes I off the th- deep end. I think that in a lot of this movie, he's an unreliable narrator <laughs> mm-hmm. because he's the one telling the story. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, the unreliable narrator is a, is a tr- is a fictional trope where basically. It's somebody telling the story, but they're telling it completely based on their own thoughts and views and opinions and all that. It's not like this happened to me. It's like, I think this happened. Most recently, Birds of Prey, narrated literally by Harley Quinn who's crazy? Yeah. That's why it's so completely out of order. What's another, a Memento's another good one yep. where you'd fight club.
1: Yep. You the know? unreliable narrator. So, For literature, I've always talked about Catcher in the Rye with Holden Caulfield is oh, a he's, very unreliable he's a narrator. He's worst. You don't know if you should be trusting him or not because everything he says about himself is through his own thoughts. Right. So you don't get another person outside And that's why
0: even some of the other characters in this, like Edward Norton played Mike Shiner and he's a terrible person <laughs> and with a name like Mike Shiner. Like... He attempts to he attempts a sexual assault of one of the other characters yeah, on that, stage. Yes, in front of an audience. Like, but that's also the the tr- that's like making fun of the method acting trope and all yeah. that stuff. And also, it's Edward Norton who's notoriously difficult yes. on stage. So like, they they poke fun at a lot of these things. And then obviously, at one point, he he tries to kill himself on stage. Yeah, and he gets a standing ovation because they all think it's part of the show. Yeah, he is you know as as much as we root for him because we like feel for him. He's still – we don't know if this story is taking place completely in his head. He could be waking up in the hospital just imagining all this just happens.
1: Yeah, and and the movie, as Paul has alluded to, the the movie ends with him in a hospital having shot the nose off his own face, and then he goes to the window and jumps out. But – After he says (laughs) goodbye to Birdman in the bathroom. (laughs) Which he's – and – and he's sort of, doesn't he agree, I think, to do another, to go back to playing Birdman at I one point? I, I know that that's like the yeah. constant. And then after he jumps out, his his daughter, played by Emma, Emma, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. I always get the Emma's mixed up between Watson and Stone. Watson and Stone. <laughs> she goes to the window to look for him and she looks up and smiles as if he's flying away. Yeah. And. Whereas he could have just gotten stuck on a
0: clothes hanger. <laughs> And he's just hanging out there with his ass hanging out. We have
1: no no idea. Like, it's very open to, as you a said, a lot, lot of different interpretations. Yeah.
0: But I, I love how this movie plays with also a lot of the things. Like, this, the, there's a lot of like if Adam West tried to get out of the yeah. Batman trope kind of that mentality with that, but they make fun of like Twitter and how he gets, uh, what is it? He gets locked out of his room and he has to run to the, the stage, uh, run to the oh, show yeah. in his underwear. Yeah. That, that went viral with the actual trailer yeah. too. Oh yeah. But in, in the movie it goes viral because everybody tweets about oh. it and he's like, what's Twitter, you know, like that sort <laughs> of like old man trope. And then at the end he gets a glowing review after blowing half his face off, mm-hmm. and I know it's just his nose, but it's funnier when yeah. I say face off, like that movie Face Off, and like he, he gets a standing ovation, a oh, glowing yeah. review, his Twitter's blowing up, yeah. and like, and, and it also helps solve
1: his problems. And and that the mask on his face when he's in the hospital very much resembles the Birdman yep. mask too. So it's sort of like he's he's learned to embrace his and
0: his nose inevitability. is because yeah. they, they put it back together again. The, the unreliable narrator can you can't put a nose back together when it gets blown completely off no. your
1: face so there's a lot of directions i want to go with this i, I have about three of them here all so right. my first one is all of the fun that it pokes at with uh, of, of super the huge superhero genre it pokes fun at there's jokes about george clooney who did play batman uh, mm-hmm. a, almost directly after michael keaton did michael keaton references he says i haven't played birdman since 1992 which is actually when he played batman returns like he's poking fun at himself he talks about you know the avengers he says oh look, you know they need a new actor for the because their main actor got hit with a light from the, the ceiling light fixture, yeah. and they need a new actor and he says well how about we get jeremy renner and he goes oh he's an avenger now and it's just tons and tons and tons of jokes about the industry there's the, the whole birdman i you know the idea that Michael Keaton and I have to, you have to wonder too how much of it is autobiographical with Michael Keaton that I after, think to a point yeah after playing Birdman I mean Bat sorry that was a f- slip <laughs> after playing <laughs> Batman slip. I wonder how much he was taken seriously as an actor in terms of like well this is, he's just playing a superhero yeah and it also then pokes fun and this is this is an argument that we've had on this show a lot is how how much can you how much how seriously can you take someone when they are in a superhero movie? I think I think that's changed more recent years. Yeah, I mean, look at Tom Holland. There was a lot of
0: argument for for best actor nominations for him yeah, for Spider Man. Right. I mean, the, the one scene of him with with May and then it, with him actually about to kill the Green Goblin, like people yeah. were talking about it. Nowadays, look at Logan. Logan should have gotten some buzz. Yeah. for for whether it was Hugh Jackman <laughs> himself or best adaptation or something along those lines, but. Back then? Back in 2012, 2014-ish? Like, yeah. Like,
1: yeah, if you remember, what was Robert Downey Jr. like when he took on Iron Man in 2008? Oh, train wreck. Yeah, he was a washed-up actor. He was someone that he had a huge drug problem. He got caught in a motel room with with a a Wonder Woman outfit. And and like
0: like a briefcase full of cocaine. Yeah. I mean, he they was. They make fun of that though. Did uh, you ever see when Tropic Thunder was coming out? Yeah, I remember that. that ben Stiller, him and Jack Black did like a, a joke at one of the MTV Movie wars <laughs> where they were trying to create a viral video. Yeah. And you know, Robert Downey Jr. is like reading a magazine about Iron Man because it had just come out at the time. Like makes a billion dollars. But one of the best lines is, "Maybe I'd have your attention if I got caught in a hotel room with two hookers and a case of blow." <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. is a good support about yeah. it. Yeah. But, but yeah. that
1: that was yeah superhero movies were the sort of the dumping ground for a lot of washed up actors you know that's where you went to die because you couldn't do anything else and then you know Robert Downey Jr. is laughing the last laugh because he's making a fifty million movie for worth Iron Man. worth millions worth I'd even argue worth billions at this stuff. Oh, absolutely. So there's yeah, there's a lot of jokes about that they make fun, you know, they make fun of Robert Downey Jr., George, George Clooney, Jeremy Renner, you know, and it's it's just the whole superhero concept of like these if you do a superhero movie, you're not a real actor. And that's why Black comedies,
0: especially and satires, work really well. <clears throat> yeah. I, I enjoy a good black comedy, but unfortunately, black comedies it feels like every single black comedy is open to interpretation, and in every oh, yeah. and that's part of there's There's a a movie that Sean from Cinematic Adventures and I really enjoy called In Bruges.
1: Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, In Bruges with is fantastic. Colin it is fantastic,
0: yeah. man, but it's a dark comedy, and then the ending is very open to ambiguity. It's interpretation. Uh... So it, it gives me the same vibes as this movie. And that's yeah, why I mentioned Martin it.
1: McDonough actually wrote, I believe, wrote that one. And he does a lot of dark, dark stuff. Yeah. He did Seven Psychopaths, which oddly enough, I saw with Martin McDonough in, at the Jacob Burns Film Center. Yeah, Again, Jacob Burns Film Center in Pleasantville, That's New where York. we went
0: to go see Ambrose.
1: Uh, oh, really? That's the only place I was playing Oh, that's funny. Yeah. They're a great art house. Yeah. But they, you know, one of the arguments that's brought up in this film is there's a, dich- a dichotomy, a split, a a gulf between low art and high art that superhero movies are low art and we've talked about this you know martin scorsese
0: oh he Uh, hates superhero movies thinks that they're ruining the industry a lot of directors are saying that that superheroes and big blockbuster movies are ruining the industry to which we all say nay. yeah We Uh, we are the knights that say nay
1: nay its knee but that's okay i know but in this case it works for my <laughs> for, for, for this my metaphor <laughs> for my metaphor i believe i just heard francis ford coppola recently talk mm-hmm. out against superhero movies
0: they're more upset because it's affecting their what they consider yeah. art and uh, art is subjective and i hate when people say hey what you do isn't art mm-hmm. we have a podcast with a very loyal listener following we are not the joe rogan show but that doesn't Thank mean God. yeah well <laughs> i'm just talking like in terms of just pure size and yeah. and and popularity we are not of that level yeah. but we still do a product that we're not only proud of but like people enjoy sure. it. and it doesn't mean that just because one does differently than another doesn't mean that it's bad so i i hate when filmmakers are like well superhero movies aren't yeah. real art i'm like that's like saying we had the same argument with graphic novels aren't real books right of course they are
1: and i i do understand some of what they're saying because there's a, a difference and we we had this argument on air the difference between movies and film and that you know and and that's sort of something that comes up in here that there's a difference between your movies and theater you know that that one i think i forget if she works for the she i think she claims she works for the new york times i forget the one critic that he talks to in the bar all the time oh, I don't remember. Um, that she already tells him before when she meets him in the bar she says oh
0: i'm gonna bash you. i'm gonna destroy yeah, your
1: movie I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy your play or i'm play, gonna give you a bad me. review and he's like, you haven't even seen it. And I love this line from her. She says, "You're not an actor. You're a celebrity." Mm-hmm. And that just he he has no response to that. She just walks away from that with, and you know, and that's right after he has this big talk with her about you know, critics. You do critics are what happens when you can't produce a product. You criticize their, everyone else, because you can't do anything for yourself. And then she just cuts them out with that line. I,
0: I do agree with that though. You know, like I, I'm not one of those, like those who can't do teach or something like that
1: mentality. Those who can't teach, teach Jim.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Rob's a teacher. I forgot. But what I'm saying is like, if, if a random guy on the street came up to me and said, man, you're fat. I'd be like, who are you? Yeah. Like, but if like, the Rock came up and he's like, Man, you're fat. I'd be like, No, Dwayne. <laughs> like, it, it, I take, if somebody's really good at something yeah. and they offer advice about what worked for them and what they do, you better believe I'm going to listen to them instead of Joe Schmo on the street, who, you know, is just like rambling at me. Critics are, are a lot like that. Don't get me wrong. You can be a critic of something and still have a knowledge based on it, but I will always take the. The thoughts of somebody who's more heavily involved with whatever they're talking about, whether they did it at one point, whether they they currently Mm -hmm.
1: do it, except for obviously all these directors that hate superhero films. And I I love that... There, you know, and the, the, the another argument that's brought up a lot is the idea of authenticity of what it means to be a true actor—that you have to give everything that you are—and that's why, like Edward Norton's character, he like starts railing against when he gets first hired for the the play. He starts railing about, like, "Look at these fake sets, this fake this." He wants to make everything real to the point where he's willing to rape his co-star on stage, which is just awful. But everything he wants to do, like when he's drinking, he want he gets mad because. That he originally had real alcohol in his cup, and and Michael Keaton's character switches it out, and he loses it in front of the audience and everything. Is that true? That in order to be, you know, and that's that's a debate that comes up. Is it is authenticity achieved by giving everything that you are to a role?
0: Mm-hmm. I, I you've, you've seen a lot, especially like here's a perfect example. Robert Pattinson has been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff as Batman, and yeah. it's very interesting watching him take a second like he's like goofing around and he's in talking in his british accent and he's wearing the batman suit and then he'll suddenly turn it on yeah. and it's an incredible thing to watch it's very incredible to watch people who are who are skilled in that sort of thing actors are very talented for the most part they're very skilled they they have a certain ability that most people don't have and then a lot of people think that they do yeah. but there is the there's always the argument for method acting and how far yeah, like- one should go edward norton ironically enough is known for Extreme method his, acting, his, not not to uh, not to the the highest extreme, right, like not like a Heath Ledger or a Daniel Day Lewis. Oof. Daniel Day Lewis, for those of you guys who don't know. Will uh, he'll go full method? He oh, will yeah. be that act, that character for
1: months. Oh yeah, like with the Phantom Thread, he went and he became an Italian tailor for like six months. Yeah, they poke
0: fun of that again. Tropic Thunder reference, mm-hmm. and I, I Tropic Thunder is one of my favorite satires oh, yeah. of the film industry, and it still gets flack. They're like, well, we can't show that now. I'm like. You're, you're missing the yeah, point then. The whole point is to point out how weird Hollywood gets with things. So basically, for those of you guys who haven't seen Tropic Thunder, Robert Downey Jr. plays an Australian method actor <laughs> who undergoes a controversial pigmentation surgery to play a black character. That's the... That's the
1: joke. Oh
0: yeah, and they they make fun, they viciously make fun of it. The one black guy, and it's like they had one good role for a black guy. And
1: they gave it to, away. to Crocodile Dundee. I love when he's, someone says you people, and Robert Downey Jr. goes, "What do you mean you people?" And, and, the, and the black man on the set goes, "What, what do, do you mean you, mean, you people?" It, it's <laughs> and it's funny, and that's what satire is,
0: and that's what this movie is. And you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s character says, "Man, I don't break character until I do a DVD commentary," <laughs> like, and that's that's what they poke fun of yeah. at this movie and that's why I do really enjoy this movie I'll be honest I saw it once in its entirety and then I've seen bits and pieces yeah. like if it's it's very rarely on it's not one of those yes. movies, those movies that you'll see like suddenly playing on on like an IFC or I know
1: which is ironic because it won four
0: Oscars won Oscars it made 103 million dollars on an 18 million million dollar budget and I, I really I do enjoy it it is yeah. it is an, it. But the problem that I think I ran into, and I think other people did too, was not, was expecting one thing, right. especially at the height of Avengers. Like, this is, you got, you will you laugh, but this was the time yeah. where oh, no. superheroes finally, they broke through that that barrier, which was really created by critics who hated superhero movies yeah. and didn't take them as a serious art. And also, in fairness, we had, you know, your Fantastic Fours, Batman and Robins, like those movies that just weren't that
1: yeah. good. Yeah, this one nine. This was up for nine Oscars and won four of them. It was up for sound mixing, sound editing, cinematography. It won, and then it it was also nominated. Michael Keaton, Edward Norton, and Emma Stone were all nominated, mm-hmm. and then it won for cinematography. It won for best writing, and it won best directing and best picture of the year. But yeah, it is not easy to find. It's on Tubi. Like you would think this would be on Netflix or something, and, and, and so I. I have to say, I rewatched it about two and a half weeks ago, and for me, it was like still watching it for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was just so exciting for me. It's a movie that also warrants rewatchability because mm-hmm. you see it through different lenses. Oh my gosh, I I could I told Paul before we started this, I could put this movie on repeat in my house forever because it is just so. I get so sucked into it because it's just so so cool. So yeah, there's so many commentaries it makes about him. And this this is the last of the commentaries, I'll say, is the idea that making superhero movies is easy celebrity status. And that's why, you know, the Birdman voice is constantly like Harry Styles ten- ten- in, uh, in Eternals throw a celebrity in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That there's the, the Birdman is like this little character on his shoulder going, come on, you want to come back into this, you want to do this again. There's like a bunch of characters. Oh, that's right. The uh, the crew gave him a, a copy of the Birdman poster. Yeah. There's a bunch of, of Japanese businessmen who start shouting Birdman. at him that want him this, to do Birdman 4. Yeah. And by the end, he kind of does say, you know, I, he kind of wants to go back to playing Birdman because that's an easy thing to do. It's easy to be that, whereas, you know, to be a theater actor and that's another thing to be a theater actor you're putting on let's see eight shows a week yeah and you have to go through those that cycle of acting eight times whereas you know with a movie you do a couple takes and then okay we got it let's move on to the next thing so the idea that theater is is really literally giving your you know your blood on the stage is put into very dramatic effect when he shoots his face off
0: and also i mean look at it like if i was an actor or if I'm a normal person, where's my line? Where's where's my pride yeah. stop? And if somebody was like, hey, we'll give you $20 million to go do that movie that everybody wants, I'd be like, well... Yeah. Like, where... where you know, and especially for superhero blockbuster movies. I mean, look at Robert, Robert Downey Jr.'s making obscene money. They would mm-hmm. pay him so much to reprise his role, oh, and yeah. that's probably one of the reasons that they didn't have him in What If because yeah. he's too expensive. Yeah. Um, and also, you have—I hate to say it—he's also older. Like he, I, he doesn't—he's the first one to be like, I don't think I can keep doing this. Yeah. Like. He's not like, you know, Chris Evans is and Chris Hemsworth are, are young guys. They're in fantastic physical condition. You know, Robert Downey Jr. was playing Iron Man for 10 years. Yeah. Like, he was, I think he was like 48 when he started. Yeah, he was he's, almost, old. he's,
1: he's older already.
0: He's in his 60s. Like, you know, you can only do this for so long. But if they offered the yeah. right amount of money, or if they even offered, hey, we'll finance three of your films if you come oh, yeah, back. Yeah, yeah we'll like, do something
1: for you if you they, do this they for do us. They do that all the yep.
0: time. That's how, uh, there's this horrible movie called Movie 43. Oh, I've, I've I've seen bits and pieces of we it. We saw it in theaters. Oh my god! I, the uh. graphic description of how, what that movie did to me, I can't even say I've heard, on this show. I've heard
1: it's considered one of the
0: worst movies ever made. It is, and basically how it ha- don't it if it's an don't interesting. It. It's you know what though. I will say if you want to see how Hollywood works, this is how Hollywood works. Basically, movie forty three is an amount is a, an anthology movie where it's this guy breaks into a Hollywood producer's studio and pitches all these horrific ideas for a movie and they get a, an a-plus list of, oh, yeah. of actors Halle Berry Hugh Jackman Kate Winslet Chloe Grace Moretz like that's just some of them Chris Chris Pratt like yeah. Anna Ferris when they were still together like huge. Leah Schreiber, like all these yeah. A-list actors and actresses and basically what happened was they all got tricked into this movie by all right. Well, if you do this movie, we'll pay you this amount. But you got to do this is movie. Is that why they're in it? That I, did, I don't think I knew that. That is that is how that movie came oh, into wow. fruition. It and it is horrific. But you know, it, it begs the question: Where do I draw a line as a professional yeah. actor? Where they offer me enough, am I going to be able to say no to twenty million
1: dollars? I know. And then the question also comes up: Is how do I once I've sold out? Mm-hmm. How do I bring back my legitimacy? How do I become a real actor again and be taken seriously? Like right now, you know, Daniel Craig just finished off the Bond series. Oh, he's never coming back. No, and what's he doing right now? Oh, Knives on, Out, too. He's on. Well, that too. He's on Broadway. Yeah, he is is starring on Broadway with uh, Ruth Negga doing Macbeth, which that's how you get taken seriously. again. you know, you go back to your roots. And you know, they when when these huge actors go to Broadway, they don't get paid their Hollywood money. They get paid, you know, standard wages. They don't get, you know, a lot thrown at them. So it's it's for the prestige. It's it's for the status, and it's it's for bringing back legitimacy. And so a lot of big actors come to Broadway. To, and we, you know, we're lucky that we only live maybe an hour from Broadway, so some of these shows you know we've been to. But sometimes some of these big actors come to Broadway thinking they can be a legitimate actor and be taken seriously, and they're just laughed off the stage a lot of times. Yeah. Um, George Reeves,
0: famous for—I don't know if it's an urban legend, kind of like him, the kid pulling a gun on him in a public showing, but there's a rumor that he tried to do another movie, and people like laughed.
1: At, at the premiere, and they were calling him Superman during it. Yeah, like I'm looking at some of the some of the actors that have come on to Broadway. Bruce Willis did Misery, yep. which it was awful. I heard Pacino did China Doll, which was terrible. Now Al Pacino, to his credit, he did come back and he did um, The Merchant of Venice in Shakespeare in the Park, and he was fantastic. Uh, Amelia Clark was in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ricky Martin did a Vita oh. on Broadway. You know, so a, a Brendan Fraser did a. a, a Broadway play. So there's like a lot of stars who have bombed on Broadway and they've just they were just awful. Julia Roberts did a show on Broadway in 3 Days of Rain. And you know, so Michael Keaton's character is sort of treated that way of like you're not a real actor, you're just a celebrity and you're just here to sort of make yourself look good. And then so he when he is able to you know put his whole self onto the stage and and literally give his life for his audience and his art that's where you know the the times critic just raves about him and mm-hmm. says how incredible he is because he's willing to do that so let's talk now let's we'll wrap this up by talking about the actual making of this movie and because it's very it's unique from any movie that we've seen before so tell what makes this so unique in terms of the way it looks and the way it's shot i'm not
0: sure where you're going with this so just (laughs) i'm gonna let you actually just say
1: it so the film well the idea that how the film is shot in a seemingly single take oh yeah okay i wasn't sure where tell us about that so for those of you guys who don't know,
0: a single take is basically, a, a, usually you'll get extended takes. It's basically, it's designed that the camera is ba- is just staying on. It's one single camera done in one continuous take with no cuts, no editing shifts, nothing like that. Basically, it's designed to make it seem like they just literally hit record and they went. Yep. It's not always, there are very few movies that actually do do the entirety in a single take What was the, the war movie? 1812? Uh, 1917. 1917, yep. excuse me. <laughs> right. The War of 1812.
1: Well, you had the, the in, right year for a war. In That's my true. defense.
0: But 1917, that movie was done almost in an entire, there is one yeah. or two cuts that people have found. And and the directors are honest. We're like, we tried to do it. Yeah. But it's, it's easier hard. to do than it takes. Daredevil's another good one where they do the hallway scene, oh, yeah. Old, boy Old Boy with the, the fam- their famous hallway scene.
1: Usually it's some sort of action set piece that they try and do in one long take. There's a movie I have to highly recommend this to everyone out there. I don't know if you've seen this. It's called One Cut of the Dead. It is a Japanese film where they are making a zombie movie. And the first 40 minutes are the zombie movie itself. It's all done in one take. Hmm. And then the second half of the movie is all the things they had to do to make that a single cut, and it's hysterical. Oh, that's good. And it, it's it's a really, really it's called one cut of the dead. So yeah, I'm looking up in in Birdman. There are only 16 visible cuts mm-hmm. in the entire movie, and even those are hidden.
0: Yeah, and they're f- well. They're everything's well edited.
1: In fact, there were more cuts in the trailer than there were in the movie altogether. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. And I, I read this too that it because it was done in only long takes, it only took them two weeks to edit the movie. Oh, yeah, because there's no editing that needed to be done, so what's the effect then of this single long take? It kind of makes it like you really there there's a sense of realism to it that that things are really happening, and you're there, and also everything is shot up so
0: close too, it feels to the like actors. and it's also a little bit more first person perspective for the
1: audience, yes, that we are a character in this sort of play and we're watching things as they're unfurling
0: like it's not like if I'm sitting here right now looking at Rob then suddenly I'm immediately looking over there yeah like to my left like without turning my head and like changing direction of my own volition
1: it does a lot of those Wes Anderson-y kind of pans over to a a, a different angle and Mm -hmm. then back like you're sort of turning your head yeah the whole film is like a high wire act of balance that you're just waiting for something to to go wrong or something don't get high before watching this movie also (laughs) no not that I have any experience with that whatsoever, but I, I would imagine that would make it difficult viewing. Oh my god, it,
0: it's 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 an acquired taste movie. It's not yeah. it's not for everyone. Well, no. like honestly, especially from like when I first saw it, expecting a superhero movie. I appreciate <laughs> it now as as somebody oh, yeah. who you know, especially being in the the medium that we're currently in. So for me, like it it was jarring the first time I saw it, but I, I still appreciated it after I saw oh my it. Gosh, and the
1: and also in addition to. The close angles you have, I believe he uses a lot of natural light mm-hmm. and he does exteriors. He does, and everything is around the St. James Theater, which I think I've been in. I think I saw a cat on a hot tin roof there years ago with local legend James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a very nice theater, but it's, it's everything is shot there. And, and as Paul said, there's one scene where he is locked out during a show in his underwear and he has to make his way through Times Square. Back to the front of the building with just all the crowds. Now, my understanding was they shot that at midnight, and a lot of the people there were extras. Yeah. But there were a few people that were not that were watching this, and it did – you said it went viral on Twitter?
0: It went viral – well, no. It went viral in the movie. Oh, in the movie, but right. But it was like the famous shot from oh, right. the trailer. Twitter, like yes. that that's one that everybody was talking about, about him in his underwear.
1: And, and Michael Keaton Good is just – balls out gutsy with this role he is amazing oh yeah he gives it. it his all i love he's got one line that he is so self deprecating and he says well i can't be birdman again i look like a turkey with leukemia oh god <laughs> he is so del- self deprecating and and he just Gives it his all. It's worth it for his performance alone. He, he and he and Edward Norton have such great chemistry, and they they butt heads and have a, a hysterical fist fight. And then the other technical aspect that I really want to talk about is the music that they put a sort of jazz drum score to the entire thing, and it plays. I would say easily for. 60% of the no, movie. For a lot of it, yeah. yeah. They submitted it to the Academy to, to win Best Oscar, and they were ineligible because they said there were too many classical cues in it.
0: Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever.
1: And they, they, they're they like, no, we think it's brilliant. And it actually won awards from lots of other sources. But God, the Academy's
0: weird. Uh,
1: the, and, and this year, we have even more reason to be angry at the Academy because mm-hmm. they are cutting out eight different awards and doing it an hour beforehand and pre-taping it and then they're going to show us. And no one's happy about it. Nobody likes it. No. So, the, screw you, Academy. So, I believe that's everything that I wanted to say about Birdman. So, let's give it our Star City rating. And I'm gonna let you go first with this. I,
0: I give it a solid four. It's mm-hmm. only because it's not necessarily my immediate genre that I that I jump into, but I, I give it a four. It is a great look into, into Hollywood and acting and superhero movies in mm-hmm. particular. Like I said, it wasn't what I expected, so that might be taking it down a little bit for me. But Keaton kills it in it, you know. Zach Galifianakis. This was like, yeah, him. we didn't even
1: mention Zach. This is him,
0: like right after the Hangover, where really people were not taking him seriously. But he does a great job in it. He's very likable in it. Yeah. Emma Stone. Gosh, we didn't even. Yeah, we didn't mention Emma yeah, Stone. Uh, Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. Edward Norton. They're all amazing. But, yeah, they have a great cast. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a, a solid four.
1: All right, I I am gonna go pretty high on this one. That's fine. I am I, I can't quite give it a perfect score because there there's. It, it needs a couple more years to do that. So I am going to give it four and three quarters, which might be the highest rating I think I've ever given on this show. This is how high I want to recommend so Broadman. It is just fun from left to right. It is so interesting. Oh my gosh, we didn't even mention Amy Ryan is in this movie mm-hmm. as his ex-wife. Just, this is like the top top echelon of great actors that exist in Hollywood and they're all together in close-up for a single take movie that lasts two hours and mm-hmm. and you never know like from one minute to the next you never know what's going to happen next you don't you know he, I, he jumps out a window at the end too and we don't know what happened to him so that will wrap us up for this week with Birdman I really 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 hope you go out and check it if you check out Birdman if you haven't as a, a nice prime for the Academy Awards is you mm-hmm. can see what good movies look like
0: what it takes to make a superhero-ish Academy Award nominee <laughs> But yeah, highly, highly recommend it. No fan feedback Friday this week, just because we are recording a little bit earlier, because it is Ronnie's wedding. So make sure you guys extend your warm congratulations to yes. him. And if you guys are looking for more content, you can find us on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you'll find links to all of our reviews, our stored, that which is brand new. Make sure you guys take a look at that. You can also find us on Facebook, Multiverse Fancast. You can find us on Twitter, and the Misfit Faction. You can find us on Instagram, the Misfit Faction Media Network, YouTube. Basically, you type in Misfit Faction, there's a fair chance you're gonna find some of our content. So make sure you guys Check that
1: out. All right, and thank you very much for joining us. As always, I am Rob, and I'm Paul, and we'll be back. No, you gotta say it. You're hosting. I'm, I have to say it. All right, we'll be back in a flash. Smorgasbord. Ah! I'm just gonna edit that out anyway. <laughs> so I mean.